the roots of the idea of spontaneous living make this conception, or rather it isn't so much a conception as a doing, um, something much more subtle than might ordinarily be imagined. A lot of people think that the spontaneous or completely natural life as it's understood by these Far Eastern philosophers is to act according to whim. There was, for example, a great Zen monk of, uh, lived shortly after 1000 AD who had a very peculiar way of painting. He had long hair and he would soak, he'd get very drunk on uh, rice wine. Then he'd soak his hair in ink and slosh it all over the paper. Then he would do a Rorschach test on it <laughs> and decide what kind of a landscape it actually was and then put in the finishing touches. And suddenly, out of this apparent mess, a great landscape would be evoked. But the whole art of the thing lay in putting in the finishing touches. And also, there's a very curious thing. If a person who is untrained in painting makes a mess with a brush, it's liable to be just a mess. Whereas if a person who has the feeling of painting in them for a long time, and they make a mess with a brush or just do anything, uh, it looks interesting. And that's why if you try uh, to copy the best people in modern, abstract, non-objective painting, you'll find it's a very difficult thing to do. Because there is more to spontaneity than caprice and disorder. And I want to try and explain what that is. I mean, wouldn't it be great if we could live absolutely on the spur of the moment? Not make any uh, particular plans, not feel that... Uh, well, you might make plans because you can make plans spontaneously. But not to worry about whether you had made the right decision, whether you were being good or bad, selfish or unselfish, <coughs> and not to hesitate in anything, you see. In uh, one of the great applications of Zen was to the art of fencing. And when you learn fencing, you see you have to learn to be spontaneous, because here of all places it is true that he who hesitates is lost. If you're engaged in combat, you see, and you stop to think what sort of a defense or attack you ought to make, the enemy's got you. So the way they teach people spontaneity in fencing is very interesting. When you start in to fencing school, you of course live with the teacher. He has a kind of ashram. And, but you're given a janitorial job. You clean up, you wash dishes, you put bedding away and things like that. While you're going about your daily business, the master surprises you with a practice sword, which is made of four strips of bamboo, rather loosely tied together. And he hits you with this, surprisingly and suddenly, from nowhere. And you are expected to defend yourself with anything available, with the bedding, with the broom, with the pots and pans, with just anything, defend. But the poor student never knows when the attack is coming. 
or where it, what direction it's coming from, and he begins to get tense. And he begins to go around everywhere on the sort of alert, you see, watching, watching which direction it's coming from. And as he goes down a certain passage, feeling that the master is probably lurking around that corner, and he's all set to go for him with that, that he gets that practice sword, he suddenly gets hit from behind. <laughs> so eventually, he gives up. There's absolutely no way of preparing for the attack. And so he just wanders around, feeling, well, if it hits, it's going to hit. <laughs> and then uh, he's ready to begin fencing. Because if you prepare for an attack from a specific direction, and it comes from some other direction, you have to withdraw from the direction in which you had expected it, and send your energy in another direction, and that takes time. So what you do is, you go around with a mind of no expectation. That is called uh, mushin, or munen. This is a very important Zen expression. It almost means an empty mind. Uh, you could also call it no heart, because the character shin means both heart and mind, but it isn't quite the same as our word heartless, as we use it, and it isn't the same as the word mindless, as we use it, meaning stupid. To be in the state of Mushin is to have a mind like a mirror. And of this, uh, the Taoist sage Zhuangzi said, the perfect man employs his mind as a mirror. It grasps nothing, it refuses nothing, it receives but does not keep. And when uh, anything comes in front of a mirror, it reflects it instantly. The mirror doesn't wait to reflect it. They also say, when the moon rises, all bodies of water instantly reflect the moon. I mean, they, they, don't, they don't bother with physics about the speed of light or anything like that. It's irrelevant. <laughs> or they say, when you clap your hands, the sound issues immediately. It doesn't stop to consider whether it will issue. And so sparks from the flint, when it's struck, they issue instantly. But to do this, you can't try to be quick. See, if a Zen master corners you with a funny situation and he puts you in a quandary expecting spontaneous action from you, don't try to hurry. I've watched Suzuki wait a whole minute before answering, but he doesn't hesitate. <laughs> He's not at all embarrassed by this wait. And he can answer with silence just as well as with a formal response. The point is, do something. When uh, two young Americans wanted to study Zen, they uh, were taken by a Japanese monk to interview the master and act as interpreter. And one of them had had some practice, you know, he knew a bit about it. And so after they'd had tea together and just discussed formalities, the master said in a very easy way, well, what do you gentlemen know about Zen? And one of these students threw his fan, which he hadn't unfolded, the fan was still folded up, he threw it straight at the master's face. The master slightly moved to one side, and the fan went and went right through the paper wall. And the master laughed like a child. You know? That's the sort of game they get in. Once a master was uh, going around through the forest with a group of students, and he picked up a tree branch. You know, just as one might pick up a tree branch. And suddenly he turned to one of his students and said, what is it? 
And he hesitated, so he hit him with a branch. And so another student was there, and he turned to him quickly. He said, what is it? He said, give it to me. I want to see it. I'll tell you. So the master tossed the branch to him, and he took it and hit the master. <laughs> <laughs> if we all started to act on pure whim, everybody would think we were crazy. And uh, people would avoid us and call the police and things like that. But what they do is this. They start you doing this in the context of a disciplined situation where there are very rigid rules for most of the time, but there are certain instances at which all those rules go hang. And you're in a community which understands the game. Because the point is this. When you start acting spontaneously, you're not used to doing it. And therefore, your responses are unintelligent and inappropriate. But when you become used to doing this, and when it becomes second nature to you to act in the state of mushin, of no mind or no deliberation, then your behavior has matured. And you find that you're accustomed to respond quite appropriately, as the Zen master did in lighting his cigarette from the charcoal. So also in, a, in learning the art of swordsmanship, when he has given up defending himself, preparing his mind for attack, then he's got a mirror mind. And this is also likened to a vessel of water, like a wooden barrel. When you make a hole in the barrel, the water instantly flows out of the hole because the water is always available to come out. It doesn't have to uh, choose. And so you could also say that mushin is what Krishnamurti calls choicelessness. And uh, because you see choice in this sense is not quite the same thing as decision. Choice means dithering. You know, there are some people who, before they start to write something down, they, they wiggle their pens a little. Uh, the pen dithers over the paper, and then they start to write. And so in the same way, a lot of people in the, constantly in the life situation, they dither, because that dithering is anxiety. To be or not to be, that is the question. Well, there is no question about to be or not to be. See, because to be and not to be go together, as we saw, they arise mutually.